Well, I hope that you had an incredible Thanksgiving holiday and Thanksgiving break. Maybe you had a couple of days off of work. Maybe you had a couple of days off of school. And so I hope that you had an incredible Thanksgiving break. I hope that you ate a little bit too much. I hope you worked it off when you went Black Friday shopping. And I hope that you spent a good bit of time with friends and family and just had a great few days of maybe reflecting on all of the things that you have to be thankful for. Uh, For the first time in 12 years, Corey and I went with all of our kids to North Carolina where uh, my extended family all lives. Uh, My my dad's parents and and all of his family, my mom's uh, mom, and uh, all really of her family live in, in the North Carolina area with the exception of a couple folks. And and so we went, spent a couple of days there with our kids in North Carolina, and we had a great time. And Wednesday, we spent some time with my mom's side of the family. My mom's mom, her dad passed away a number of years ago. And so my mom's mom, I got to sit and talk to her about life and about my kids and just all the things that are going on and catch up with her a little bit and aunts and uncles and cousins. And it, it was a lot of fun. We took over the back room of a restaurant. And let me just tell you, we, we increased the noise level in that restaurant pretty, pretty good. But we had a great time. And then we drove to the Charlotte area and we spent some time with my dad's side of the family for a few days. And, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And, man, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. With my dad's side of the family, something that we did, that we did when I was growing up, when I was a kid, we did it every single Thanksgiving, and it was just a tradition that my grandmother started, and uh, we continue to do it to this day. And so uh, one, one of the things that we do is we will start after we're done eating, my grandfather will take a candle and he'll light it. And everybody sits still and sits quiet, and you kind of get the kids as quiet as possible. And then my grandfather will start talking about the things that he's thankful for this year. And sometimes it may last two, three, four, five minutes, and he just talks about how good God is and how thankful he is for his wife. And he said again this year what he says almost every single year. He met my grandmother a number of years ago, and she was sunbathing by a lake. And now there are you know, great-grandchildren out of the, the heritage of their relationship, and he'll say, who would have ever thought that day when I was ogling a pretty girl by a lake? That all of this would have come about, you know, and he just is thankful for that lake and that pretty lady who turned out to be my grandmother. And then when he's finished, he will take that candle and he will reach over and he will light the candle that my grandmother's holding and she will start talking and invariably she will start crying, talking about the things that she's thankful for. And then when she's done, whoever's sitting beside her, she'll take her candle and she'll light theirs. And I just wanted to show you, this year we did it around a bonfire. This is my grandfather. Uh, you, you can't really see him. He's a, he's a pretty short guy. I, I'm not very tall, but I look like a giant compared to my grandfather. And then the lights, we can't really control those. But you can see a little bit here. We had a bonfire. And this was just all the people in line that were holding a candle. And by the end of the evening, you had maybe 20 plus candles being held as people had shared Over the last little while, maybe half hour or so, all of the things that they were grateful for and thankful for this year. And and as I I listened to all these family members, my grandparents and my dad and my brother and his family and myself, my family, all my kids and all these different things that were being shared, I, I, I began to realize that thankfulness is most often about reflection. Think about that. It's really about looking back and thinking about the things that you are thankful for, the things that have already happened. Maybe you can reflect all the way back to ogling a pretty girl by a lake, 
or maybe you're just thankful that this year you got a new job, or this year you had a, a baby, or this year, you know, you did better in school than you've done in previous years, or this year, you know, the Lord revealed some things about himself, or maybe in you, or you got a new relationship, or something that happened, and so you're really reflecting over the things that you're thankful for in this year. And then I began thinking, because this is just the way my brain works, I began thinking, okay, but, but it can't just only be about reflection, we also have to be thinking ahead, and we also have to be looking ahead. And so I began to, to realize that we're just a few weeks away from the end of the year of 2015, and that blows my mind. I feel like we just started 2015. And so in just a few weeks, we will wrap up 2015, and all the websites and all the shows and all the news things will kind of categorize the top 10 things that happened in 2015 and the top plays in 2015 and all that, and they'll reflect and they'll look back, and then something will happen. A ball will drop. Some of us will be awake to see that. Others of us will have been asleep for several hours. And then all of a sudden you wake up and it's a new year. It's a new day. It's January 1st, 2016. And with that new day and with that new year comes this incredible opportunity to feel like you're turning the page, to feel like that there's newness there, that you can be and do anything, that there's nothing that can hold you back. And it doesn't matter if you haven't changed jobs, you're working the same job, or you know, you're going to the same school and you're married to the same person, you got the same kids, you're not making any more money. There's this sense that I can be better in 2016 than I was in 2015. There's this sense that even though I eat terribly, I'm going to lose weight this year. Even though I can't save any money and I spend everything that comes in and sometimes even more that comes in, this year, you know, I'm going to manage my money better. What's the difference? It's a new day. It's a new, it's a new page. We're turning the pages because it's a new year. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead because there's so many things that we're going to celebrate just in the next few weeks. And, and I don't want to throw away December because it's, it's the greatest time of the year. It's December to remember. And if you want to give Alexis away, I am looking for one. And so you go ahead and feel free to do that. But I did want us to kind of maybe bring it back about 31 days or so and go, why do we have to wait until January the 1st to set some resolutions? Like, why do we have to wait until 2016 to decide to be a better person? Why do we have to decide to eat better? Why do we have to decide to manage money better? Why do we have to decide to be better parents or husbands or wives or spend more time with our kids? Or Why do we have to wait 31 more days to do that? Why can't we just start now and decide that we're going to do better, be better than we have been to this point? And so today I want to talk to you about year-end resolutions. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to flip with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is a, a famous chapter in Scripture because it's the place that we find probably the most famous retelling of the Christmas story. And over the next few weeks, you're going to hear that story told in a variety of ways, and the kids are going to perform some stuff in just two Sundays, I think it is, and they're going to help us to see that story in a little bit of a new light. But today, I want us just to skip over some of the stuff that you hear every single year at Christmas time and focus on a portion of this story that we, we probably know, we've probably heard a little bit, but it doesn't get as much attention. It's not the star, it's not the angels, it's not the wise men, it's not the manger. It's a little different part of this story that I want to make sure that we don't miss and that I believe we can all learn from today. So Luke chapter 2 Beginning in verse 22, and after that verse, we're going to skip to 25 and read several verses in a row. Let's read this together. When the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, let me just stop right there and say what they were going to do was exactly what we just demonstrated this morning. So they went to the temple 
so that they could offer a sacrifice on behalf of Mary who had to you know, kind of declare herself clean. And they presented their child to the Lord like you just witnessed here this morning. Skip to verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous, some translations may say just, and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel, the child's father and mother, marveled at what was said about him. Now again, this is a passage of scripture that we've probably overlooked some. Now, you know, you may read it if you're reading the entire Luke chapter 2 on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning or in some other setting with your kids or with other people and you're really celebrating or maybe in your Bible reading program, which we'll all commit to do in January and stop doing by the middle of January. And, you know, you get to Luke chapter 2 and you'll probably read it all and that's awesome. But this is a part of the passage really here about Christmas and the story of Christmas that if we're not careful, we miss some incredible things that I believe that God wants us to know. And I think that there are a few things that all of us, if we're looking at it correctly, can utilize to make some year-end resolutions that might just even carry over into 2016 to help us be and do a little more in our relationship with God. So we read there that it said, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. Now, again, some translations may say just and devout. But here's the first thing that I want to ask you. What if, what if your first year-end resolution is that you want to be more devoted to God this year? It says that he was righteous or just and devout. Now, this idea is that he, his righteousness or his justice was really in the way that he dealt with other people. So he was just. So in his business transactions with people or when people would, would do something, he would treat them right. It's about upstanding moral character, upright moral character. So if somebody, you know, interacted with him, they weren't going to walk away going, man, that's Simeon. I just never know. He's kind of shady, man. I don't know if I can trust him. You know, I gave him a 20 and I feel like I only got 10 back, but I don't know that it cost 10 for what he was going to go do for me. Like he was an upright, upstanding, just, righteous guy. And then it says that he was devout. He was devoted to God. So there was something about even his worship and the way that he carried himself in relationship with God that other people could see from the outside and they would look at him and they would go, man, this guy loves God. Now, here's my question to you and here's what's been convicting to me all week. Do people look at me and say he is just, he is righteous, and he is devout? Like, is that how people would view me? Is that how people would view you? Do they look at you and go, man, that guy is devout. Like, when, when I think about him, I think he's devoted to God. When I think about her, she's so upright, upstanding in her moral character and in her interaction with other people. And so what if you just decided on this November the 29th of 2015, instead of waiting 31 or 32 or 33 days into the new year, what if you just decided today, I'm going to be righteous and just with people, and I'm going to be devoted more to God. I'm not going to wait until January to pick up a Bible reading program and decide that now I'm going to start reading. I don't ever read the Bible now, but I'm going to make sure I can read the Bible through in January, which will require maybe 13, 14 chapters every hour. I'm not really, I think I can do that this year. I'm really committed. 
No, let, let's set some realistic expectations and say, I want to spend time with God. And I'm not going to wait until January. I'm going to start now. I'm going to spend time with God outside of the things that I do when we gather together. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to pray. And it doesn't mean that I've got to read books at a time, chapters at a time, but I'm going to find a resource maybe that I can read a few chapters or maybe a few verses or whatever it is that I feel like I can accomplish and, and maintain just to say, God, I want to spend time learning about you out of your word. Now, here's what I need to tell you right up front. God doesn't love you more the more you read the Bible. God doesn't love you more the more you pray. Here's what I would say. You love God more the more you read the Bible, and you love God more the more you pray. Now get that, because that's not the same thing. I don't love my kids more the more they hang out with me, but I think the more they hang out with me, the more they're going to love me. I really feel, because I eat good and I share. And so I give away gifts, and like, if they're not with me, they can't eat with me, and they can't enjoy the gifts that I can provide for them. So, so don't miss the truth here, even though I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit funny. God doesn't love you more when you spend more time with him. But I think when you spend more time with him, you love God more. I know I do. And so what if I just decided on November the 29th that one of my first year-end resolutions is I'm going to be more devoted to God. If you, haven't, if you weren't here last Sunday and you haven't listened to the podcast, I encourage you to go back and, and check out last week's podcast where I talked a little bit about what it really means to serve God it was pretty challenging for me. I know it was challenging for some of us that were here just to really hear what Jesus said in Scripture about really serving him and being a servant and being grateful for the opportunity to do that. And I encourage us all to say, okay, I want to be a more devoted, more righteous, more just person in the way that I deal with people and in the way that I deal with God. So that's the first thing. Maybe we be more devoted to God. So let's kind of look back at what we read. It says that he, Simeon, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, scholars say that this was one of two things. It probably was a little bit of both things. But what Luke was trying to convey here is first that he was looking for the plan of God for God's people. So he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on this idea of what is God doing for God's people. There had been this period of time where God was silent. You know, if you read in the latter half of the Old Testament, you see all the prophets, you see the judges, you see the kings, you see the people that God was using to rule and to reign over his people. And you see the, the people that God was using as his voice to declare the truths about God and the conviction that God wanted them to feel so that they would turn back towards God. And then there was this period called the intertestamental period, really, but it's really this 400 years where we don't hear from God anymore. God doesn't speak to his people in the audible voice that he was speaking through the prophets until we get to what we know as the New Testament, where the story picks up again and Jesus arrives on the scene. And so Simeon would have, been, would have been one of those devout people who was still looking for and listening for the voice of God to say something new, declare something new, reveal something new towards his people so that they would know that God was still involved in their lives. And so Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The second thing that he would have been waiting on was the Messiah. Now the Messiah was, was this, this figure, this person that had been prophesied about. Prophecy is just something that's told in advance that's going to happen. And we see that throughout the Old Testament where, where the Messiah had been prophesied about. It was, it was someone that was going to come along and there were various descriptive things that kind of declared this is how you will know that it's the Messiah and not someone else. 
And so Jesus came, and, and we know now because we're able to look back not just to the place of Jesus, but also previous to him and see that he fulfilled those prophecies. And so we go, okay, Simeon was not only waiting for the plan of God, he was also waiting for the man of God. He was waiting for the Messiah to come who would be that instrument of God to bring about the salvation of Israel. And we picked up a little bit on that uh, when Simeon was singing a little bit or praying there at the end. And so the Messiah was the anointed one of God. And so Simeon was waiting on the plan of God. And so the, the Holy Spirit, which we'll get to in just a second, had moved him to go to the temple. When he gets to the temple, he sees Joseph and he sees Mary and he sees the baby Jesus. And there's something about Jesus there in that moment that connects to his spirit. And he realizes that he now has seen the, the plan that God has. He's seen the Messiah. He's now holding the Messiah. But so... Maybe you're not going to get to hold baby Jesus this year unless, you know, it falls out of the manger scene there in your house. You pick up baby Jesus, you put him back in the manger. Uh, that was funnier than y'all gave it credit for. You got to pick, come on now. Come on, that was good. I've been planning that one for a couple hours. Thank you for that over there. No, but here's the deal. Maybe you don't get to hold baby Jesus this year in the real tangible way that Simeon got to hold baby Jesus. But I wonder if a second year-end resolution for all of us is that maybe we just look a little harder for the plan of God. Maybe we just open our eyes and we say, you know, God's been quiet for a little while, but I still believe that God's got a plan. Because that's what Simeon had to do. And not just Simeon. There's another lady named Anna here in this story that we're not even going to read about today. There are other devout people who were followers of God who believed that even though God was silent, God was still involved. And I think sometimes for me and for you, we think when God gets silent, he's no longer there. We think when we don't hear God as clearly as we used to hear God, when we're standing in a service like this and they're leading worship and we don't feel God like we used to feel God, that God's gone. Maybe there's something else that's the matter. Maybe there's something else that's happening. And here's, here's what I'm, maybe we should just open our eyes and trust that God's got a plan and we should be looking for the plan of God a little harder instead of making our own plans in the absence of what we believe to be God's plans. Right? I'm, I'm not going to tell on you, so I'll tell on me. Like, I've got a couple of apps on my phone that tell me directions to get some places. And I am the world's worst at ignoring them, because I know a better way. So I put into my phone, into my app, hey, send me to, you know, this place over here. Let's just say Zaxby's, hypothetically, all right? Send me to Zaxby's. And then I'm on the way, and I'm thinking, why is it taking me that? I'm no, 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 no. It's so much faster if you turn here because she hasn't talked in a little while. All I know is that she originally just told me to stay on this road for four or five miles, but about two miles in because she hasn't said anything, I come to a red light, and I assume, you know what? If I turn right here, I think this is actually a little faster way for me to go I think that's what I do with the Lord sometimes. Because the Lord told me what to do. He laid out the plan for me. But every now and then, if I haven't heard him in a while, I assume that maybe the plan has changed, the directions have changed, and he just forgot to tell me. And so I decide I know a better way. You ever do that? I do that. I think, man, you know, if God would just tell me every second of every day what I, could, what I should do... I would never mess up. Well, guess what? He did. But just like I don't always tell my wife every second of every day that I love her, I do. I heard this story one time of an old man 
whose wife was really frustrated with him after a few years of marriage. And she said, you know what? You never tell me anymore that you love me. He said, what? She said, you, you never tell me anymore that you love me. He said, listen, when we got married, I told you I loved you. And I told you if anything changed, I'd let you know. <laughs> I'm going to let that one ripple to the back. I think sometimes we want God to speak to us all the time. And I believe that he does, and I believe that he will, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But here's what I would encourage all of us to do. If you don't hear God, if you don't feel God, if you don't know what God's saying, if you're not sure exactly what the plan of God is in this moment, just do the last thing that you know he said to do until he tells you something different. Like, don't go looking for new revelation. Don't go looking for new direction. Just keep doing what God told you to do until God tells you to do something different. That's the way my GPS works. She just says, go five miles on this road. And she's not going to tell me, keep going straight, keep going straight, keep going straight. She's going to tell me when I'm supposed to do something different. That's what God does. He says, go this way. Be obedient, be faithful, serve me, read, read the Bible, pray. He's talking to me all the time about doing those things. But then sometimes when he's quiet, I'm looking for him to say something new. I'm just supposed to keep being faithful, keep being obedient until God gives me a new direction. So what if this year, instead of waiting till January the 1st, what if I set a year in resolution that I'm just going to look for the plans of God? And I'm not going to get in a hurry and I'm not going to miss it because it doesn't look like what I want it to look like. In Acts chapter 12, Peter was in prison. This is one of my favorite stories. It's hilarious. Peter was in prison. It doesn't sound hilarious yet, but just wait. He was in prison, and through a supernatural move of God, he was released from prison. The jailers didn't even know he was actually leaving. He gets up, walks out of prison. Now, while he had been in jail, there was a group of church folks who were meeting in a house praying that Peter would be released. And he gets released, and he goes to their house in Acts chapter 12, and he knocks on the door. And a little girl named Rhoda comes to the door, and she opens the door, and he says, Hey, it's Peter, the one you're praying about. And she closes the door in his face. And she walks back into the living room, and she says, Hey, Peter's at the door. And the people told her she was crazy. They said, no, 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 that's not Peter. Peter's in jail. We're praying for Peter to get out. But Peter's still in jail over there. Now, don't miss that. The plan of God for those people did not actually look like Peter showing up at their door. I don't know what the plan of God looks like for you. I don't know what the plan of God looks like for me. But if Simeon was looking for the Messiah, he probably wasn't looking for a baby. He was probably looking for a king. He was probably looking for someone who was a military strategist, warrior, fighter guy who could take the Hebrew people under his wing and say, let's go and overthrow those who oppress us. And instead, the plan of God looked like a little baby. What if I was more devoted to God this year, and in my devotion, I was looking for the plan of God this year? Let's keep reading. We read earlier that it said, And the Holy Spirit was on him, Simeon, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then it says, Moved by the Spirit, tells us he went to the temple, and that's where he met Joseph and Mary. When was the last time that I did something? When was the last time you did something because you were moved by the Spirit to do it? 
Francis Chan, who used to pastor, he now writes a lot of books and travels around really encouraging the people of God. He said, you know, if all you had on a deserted island was the Bible, and you read it from cover to cover, and then you read it again from cover to cover because you didn't have anything else to do but read the Bible, and then they rescued you and you came back to the civilized world, you would assume that the modern-day church depended on the Holy Spirit a little more than we do. Because in Scripture, man, they, they almost didn't move unless the Spirit told them to move. They didn't stay unless the Spirit told them to stay. But I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we're devoted to God and we're looking for the plan of God, but we move on our own and we stay on our own and we hope the Spirit is in it. Simeon was filled with the Spirit It had been revealed by the Spirit, and then he moved by the Spirit. Now, maybe you say, well, I've never actually heard God say anything with my ears. And I would say, you're not alone. I I don't know what Simeon heard or felt to know he was supposed to go to the temple. Let me tell you how it works for me. Instead of hearing the audible voice of God, a lot of times a word that I use a lot is I feel impressed by God. I feel compelled by God. There's something when I'm reading God's word, when I'm worshiping, when I'm alone, when I'm in solitude, when I'm reflecting, when I'm I'm praying and asking God for direction, I feel impressed by God to do something, to go somewhere, to say something, to write something down. And so I don't know if it's actually that you're going to hear God when you're supposed to move or if you're impressed by God when you're supposed to move. But here's what I would say. Don't be afraid to move because you're not sure. Move. When you think it's the Spirit of God, when you believe it's the Spirit of God, move and ask God to confirm it. Ask God to grow in you what Scripture calls discernment, which is to be able to distinguish if something is of or is not of the Spirit of God. And so Simeon was really moved by the Spirit. And so what if your third year-end resolution was to be moved by the Spirit more? To allow the Spirit of God to really help dictate the way you move and the way you don't move and where you go and where you stay and what you say and what you don't say. Because I think there's a lot of people, I really do, I think there's a lot of people whose lives would not be in the condition that they're in right now if they were being moved by the Spirit. I know most of the time that I get myself in trouble is because I move on my own. And then I get there and go, God, where are you at? And God's like, I'm still back there. Where'd you go? I think if I'm listening to the voice of God, if I'm asking God to really speak or compel or impress into my heart and into my life what I'm supposed to do, I think I would be able to be a little more devoted to God this year. I think I would really understand or hear or determine the plan of God a little more clearly this year. Because I am moved by the Spirit. Now let's read a little bit more. We already read some of this. It says, When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, The last line, this is not even, I mean, listen, this is not even the meat of what I'm talking about right here, but just listen to what the man said. He said, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is in Luke chapter 2. 
the Gentiles don't actually receive the gospel until after Jesus has died, not just been born. This is a powerful piece of Scripture. Because this man, being moved by the Spirit, being devoted to God and understanding the plan of God, realized that the baby he was holding in his arms was about something more than just the flesh and skin, the flesh and bones that he could see with his eyes. But he said, listen, I'm holding this baby in my arms. And then he began to praise. He praised God. We, We praised God just a few minutes ago. A few nights ago, I praised God while holding a candle for all of the things that God had done in my life this last year. For all of the relationships, for all of the things that God had entrusted to me. So for just a moment, I just want us to praise God for what God has done among us. In the last 12 months or so, God has gifted to this campus of this church 40 acres of property along Interstate 575 valued at over $1.1 million dollars. That's incredible. Somebody gave that to our church so that we could utilize that for our future. In the last 12 months, God has opened up the place where we will begin meeting in just a few weeks on Sundays and during the week to do ministry. God gave that into our hands. This calendar year, we have seen 56 people trust God for salvation in their hearts and in their lives. We have given almost, we have given almost $500,000 to support local and global ministry efforts out of this campus. That's incredible. Now here's, here's how I want us to connect the dots. When I'm holding a baby, I don't see light to the Gentiles. I just see a baby. When I open up my wallet on Sundays or I pull out my debit card on a Friday night after I got paid to pay my tithes online or I text in to give and it's $50 or $100, I don't see light to the Gentiles. I just see $50 until you put it together with 495,950 other dollars to see what God can do around the world. I'm sitting in here on a Sunday, and I see one hand lifted, and I go, well, thank God for that one. And I don't realize that earlier this year, at some point, 55 other people have lifted their hand to receive salvation from God. When I'm driving up and down some of the roads in this town, it may just look like an empty building until I see that God opens the door for a church to move into that place in the future to reach people that may never darken the doors of a high school. I drive by a place that just looks like a wooded area along the interstate until I realize that there's 40 acres of property there, valued at over a million dollars, that a businessman woke up on a Friday morning, and the Lord said in his heart, give that to the church for their future. Sometimes I miss the plan of God because it doesn't look like what I thought it looked like. Sometimes when I'm moved by the Spirit, I walk into the temple and I look around and I don't see the salvation of the world and the light to the Gentiles. But if I'll just stay right there in the temple courts and worship God and ask God, God, help me to see it. Help me not to miss it. God, help me to open my eyes. Help me to open my heart. What is it that you've sent? Well, there's a young couple that has a little baby. And I don't know if that's Messiah I don't know if that's the plan of God, but Lord, is that it? Because I've never seen them here before. Maybe 
God, I feel in my heart, maybe that's what you're doing, God. Maybe that's what you're doing. And then, Lord, thank you so much that I got to see it because you told me I would see it before I died and, and I'm looking at your plan, God. And he just starts praising. A story that I reference all the time from the Old Testament is the people of God, the children of Israel, coming out of the desert, coming out of the wilderness, crossing over into the promised land, and pretty quickly running into some new battles that they never had to fight back there. They come up to the city of Jericho. God has said he would give them the city, but it's a fortified city. And inside of that fortified city are people that want to destroy them and kill them and keep them from possessing this land that God has given to them. And so God gives them what I've always called the worst military strategy in the history of mankind. Just march around the walls and be quiet. So they do it once on day one, once on day two, once on day three, once on day four, once on day five, once on day six. But on day seven, they're supposed to do something different. And so they just walk around for the first six laps around the city in silence. And then this is what it says, beginning with lap number seven in Joshua chapter six, verse 16. It says this. The seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Did you see it? Did you catch it? God told Joshua to tell the people to shout because the city was theirs. But... The walls were still up, and all the people that hated them were still on the inside, wanting to kill them on the outside. Shout, for the city is yours. Their future victory was tied to their present praise. Now, this name may not mean anything to you, but when I say that, I feel like T.D. Jakes. Some of you think that's funny. Others are like, I don't know who that is. Does he live here in Cherokee County? He doesn't. He lives in Dallas. He's an African-American preacher who is a little bigger than me. And he has a way with words. And he can read a scripture and he can turn it into something that you'll never forget. And here's what I want you to never forget. Your present praise is tied to your future victories. Some of us need to quit waiting until the walls come down and all the people are dead before we shout. Simeon praised God before anybody had been saved by Jesus. Simeon is holding a baby, praising God that he got to see the plan of God before Jesus could walk, before Jesus could do one miracle, before Jesus could teach anything about the truths of God, before Jesus could be led up a hill carrying a cross, and before he could ever die on that cross, before he could ever be raised from the tomb, Simeon held that child and praised God for what God 
was going to do. Thanksgiving is about looking back. And I think sometimes where we miss it following God is that worship is about looking back and it's also about looking forward. And I don't know that I'm very good at that. It's easy for me to wake up on January the 1st and say, you know what, it's a blank page. I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to do better with money. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to be more efficient on my job and just declare all these things that I'm going to do. But instead of waiting until then, what if I just woke up on November the 29th and I stood on this stage in front of you and then I came and I sat down and I said to you, What does God want to do in your future? Like, if you could dream anything, if you could believe God for anything, what do the next 365 days look like for you? Don't wait until January the 1st. Don't wait until 2016. Start today believing God for everything that hasn't happened in your life yet that you believe God wants for you. About a week and a half ago on Friday, November the 20th, I got a text message from Pastor Trevor. It was a picture. He was in the parking lot of our new home at 110 Bluffs Parkway, and he had taken a picture of the sign that we showed you last Sunday. It's on our page at mpncanton.com slash relocation if you weren't here. Go see the video we showed last week and see the picture. And it's the sign up on the road there that shows who's in the building. It says Sears and Anytime Fitness, and then it says Canton Church, which will be our name when we get there. I got that on my phone. Now, here's the cool thing. On my phone, I also have an app called Time Hop. And Time Hop tells me what I posted on social media on this day over the last few years. And so on Friday, November the 20th, I opened up the Time Hop app and there were nine pictures that I posted from my phone of the building at 110 Bluffs Parkway. I had gone to a lunch with Pastor Trevor and Pastor Blake and we were planning some things for our campus. And when we left that lunch, I said, hey, I want you guys to go with me. I was driving down the road the other day, and I saw a sign that said that there's a building for lease. And I want to go by there, and I just want to see if maybe this is something that we could pursue. We drove into that parking lot. We parked our cars right in front of what will be the lobby of Canton Church. We looked through the windows And I snapped some pictures best I could by holding my phone right up onto the glass so that I could see into the space. And after we had talked about it for a minute, I said, Trevor, I want you to walk down there and I want you to put your hands on that door. Blake, I want you to walk down there and I want you to put your hands on that door. And I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to put my hand on this door. And I want us just to pray and say, God, if this is where you want us, make it plain. If it's not, shut the door. We've had a lot of shut doors in four years. Make it obvious, God. 
I went home that night and I sat on the edge of my bed and I picked up an envelope that was laying on my nightstand. This was November 20th, 2014. And I took that envelope and I took an ink pen and I just sketched out a rectangle. And I just tried the best I could to mark off what six different units side by side would look like and where we would put kids' classrooms and where we would put chairs to be a worship space and where the lobby would be. I did that on Friday night, November the 20th, 2014. And you know what happened on Friday the 20th, 2015? There were men inside of the building in suites 202 through 206 at 110 Bluffs Parkway building walls that I wrote on the back of an envelope 365 days prior. It's not about me. It's not about that building. This is about you. This is about God. And here's the question that I would ask you that I asked our staff this past week. What do you need to sketch on the back of an envelope and trust God to do in the next year? Now, it took way longer than we ever imagined to start seeing walls go up. And I don't know if it was for this reason, but it's interesting to me that 365 days later, walls go up when they started on an envelope. So here's what I would say to you. Here's what I would ask you. A year from now, what does your time hop need to point you back to that today you declared? On November the 29th, 2016, whether you're sitting in a worship service or you're driving in your car or you're on your job or you're in your home or you're sitting around a bonfire holding a candle, what do you want to be able to say, God, thank you for doing this, this last year? Because on November the 29th, 2015, I didn't wait until January 1st. I decided then that I wanted the end of the year to be the place that I made the change. And I trusted you more by doing these four things. Throw these up there. By being devoted to God. By looking for the plans of God. By being moved by the Spirit. And by praising you for something that hasn't even happened yet. What does your time hop need to say a year from now? Because you declared these things today. Because you committed these things today. Today it just looks like a baby. It doesn't look like salvation to the Gentiles. It doesn't look like the plan of God. It just looks like a baby. But I think some of you need to flip an envelope over. And you need to say, God, my finances are in a mess. I don't, I don't have $50 to give. I mean, he's talking about giving. I don't have $50 to do anything with. One year from now, could your time hop point you back to the day when you said, God, I'm going to be more devoted and I'm going to look for your plans and I'm going to be moved by the Spirit. And I started praising you that day because you were going to fix my finances. As I became a better steward, God, you did a miracle. Some of us need to flip over an envelope. And we need to say, my marriage is in trouble. God, I'm trusting you that 365 days from now, as I am faithful and obedient 
as I love my spouse to the very best of my ability, as I ask for forgiveness for anything I've done wrong, and I give forgiveness for everything they've done wrong. 365 days from now, God, I want to see walls being built of the home that we've built together. I want to see the dreams that we've shared together coming to pass. Some of you say, well, that... I'd be awesome to have a marriage, even if it was a little bit of trouble in it. You say, I want to be married so bad. Flip over an envelope. Start writing down the dreams of God for your life. You say, no, no, I got the job I have, I hate. I don't feel like it uses my gifts and my Flip over the envelope and start declaring. Start praising God for the opportunities that are coming your way this year. Now, listen, if you know me, I don't even have to say this, hopefully. If you don't know me, you're like, man, this guy's like a name it and claim it guy. You know, just say whatever you want to and God's going to bring it. No, no, no. Be devoted to God. Look for the plans of God. Be moved by the Spirit and praise God for what's that. I'm not up there anywhere. You're not up there anywhere. This is what I'm doing to focus on God and be led by the Spirit of God. God and praise God. I've gone way longer than I wanted to, but here's what I would say to you today. Don't wait another day to make a commitment to God to make a change. Make the decision today. So that one year from now, you don't have to wait even another day to look back and see. You know that today is the day that you made the decision to be more devoted to God, to look for the plans of God, to be moved by the Spirit of God. And you started praising God for stuff you couldn't even see yet. Shout for the city's yours. Shout for your marriage is healed. Shout because your kids are coming home. Shout because your finances are looking up. Shout because the job offer is on the way. Shout for the city is yours. God, I thank you so much that a little story in Luke chapter 2 about an old man who said that he could now die has relevance to us in 2015. God, I pray for every person in this room that they wouldn't wait one more second, that they would respond to you today. God, they would commit that they want to be more devoted to you. They want to be more just towards other people just like Simeon was. They want to look for the plans of God, even if it doesn't really look like they think it's supposed to look. They want to open their eyes and trust that you might be doing something new. God, they want to be moved by the Spirit. They want to hear your voice this year. They want to be compelled by your voice to do something that's a little bit out of their comfort zone. And God... They want to start praising you for something that hasn't even happened yet. And Lord, my prayer for them as their pastor is that you would bring 
all that to pass. And that you would do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. Because you're a God who loves us. Don't let us wait one more moment. In our hearts today, I'm asking you to do something. In Jesus' name we pray.